Ecclesiastes in our Bibles this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter uh, 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. It is once again great to be together on a beautiful, beautiful morning, beautiful Lord's Day uh, together. Appreciate these good songs that we've been involved in and we'll take this time now, next few minutes, to focus on a portion of Scripture. That portion this morning is Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 11. We'll focus mainly just on the ideal of living for God, life itself, uh, living for God. You recall concerning the book of Ecclesiastes that Solomon has explored life and he has discovered that life here under the sun, life here under the sun, is full of despair, vexation, vice, and vanity. If we are not totally and absolutely dependent upon our God and following Him, then it is a life of despair. And so in the first part of this book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon relates to us his own experiences to show this. How that he involved himself in, in wine and work and even women and other vices and showed that that, that was all of vanity. And then he makes some observations about that and then beginning in about chapter 9, he helps us to make application to our lives. And so we're right here in chapter 11 together uh, this morning. Ecclesiastes 11. And Solomon assumes that we want to be good and do good. Okay, so we're coming right in the middle of his thoughts here. And his assumption is that we want to be good and do good, so therefore here's some advice. Here's some advice. So living for God, Solomon says, here's some advice. And we're going to break down the chapter this way. We need to be bold. We need to be determined. We need to be happy. And we need to be ready. That's the ideal of our, our thoughts this morning. Be bold, be determined, be happy, and be ready. Let me warn you, I will spend more time on the first than I will the other three. So don't panic. Don't panic. If you look up and you, and you say, he's still on just number one. This is going to be forever. So don't panic. Relax. All is good. All is good. First of all, Solomon says, be bold. Be bold. How, do we be, how can we be bold? Well, you've got to trust God. Look at verse 1, chapter 11, verse 1. He says, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Cast your bread upon the waters, and you will find it after many days. Okay. I don't think he's talking about physical bread here per se. Okay. We've all had this experience. I have. I've, I've fed ducks. I have fed carp with bread. 
One of our favorite things growing up was to go to Smith Lake and, and catch carp. You catch carp with bread, dough ball, bread on a hook. We would feed the carp with bread. And we did never expect to see that bread again. Okay. So I don't think he's talking about physical bread. The bread's either going to be eaten if you throw it on the water or it's going to disintegrate. What he's referring to here is what God can do with things. What God can do with things. That's what he's talking about. You see, Paul says in Ephesians 3, verse 20, he says, Now unto him God, who is able to do far more exceeding and abundantly, more than we can all ask or think, to him be glory. And I think this is what he's saying here. Be bold by trusting God. Be bold by trusting God. If you will do as God says, he, he's saying here, if you will do as God says, then God will bless you. You can guarantee, you can be guaranteed on that. You can bank on that. He will bless you. That's what he's saying here. When he says, cast your bread upon the waters after you'll find it uh, many days. Okay. Let's look at some parallel verses. Let's start in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy, follow me along if you don't mind. Deuteronomy chapter 15. He's talking here in the Old Law about helping those who are poor. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter uh, 15 and around verse uh, 10, Deuteronomy 15, verse 10, You shall give to him freely, talking about giving to the poor, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him, because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. You see that? The Lord will bless you when you give uh, to the poor. And what about way over in the book of Malachi, uh, chapter 3, he's also encouraging us there to give, to give. See, what God is saying here is, He's saying, all that I have entrusted you with, starting with the Word of God, and starting with your blessings, you need to share those. And as you share those, then I will uh, bless you. If you look at Malachi uh, chapter 3, this is expressed again. Malachi 3 and verse uh, number 10. Bring your, bring your gifts unto the storehouse, he says. Bring your full tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And thereby, thereby, the Lord says, put me to the test and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. And this is what Solomon is saying here in Ecclesiastes 11, cast your bread upon, upon the waters. See, take what I have given you, the Lord says. Take what I have given you. Scatter it, share it with other people, and you put me to the test and see if I do not pour down blessings upon you. This is especially true in regard to sharing God's word. And in, in that regard, look at Isaiah 55 and verse 10 and 11. As God says, my word shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish the purpose for which I send it out. Okay. He had said there, just as the snow 
and the rain falls down upon the earth and does not return to heaven, but rather causes fruit and green things to grow upon the earth. So therefore, just like that, as we scatter the seed of God's word upon the earth, upon the hearts of people, it will accomplish that which I have sent it to do, the Lord says. And so first of all, he says, be bold because the Lord will absolutely be with you. Be bold because you can, you can certainly trust the Lord. Okay. We won't belabor uh, this point uh, too long, but this idea of sharing and being bold uh, needs to be swallowed uh, hook, hook, line, and sinker. We, we really need to put our arms around this. It is so true. It is so true. Even when someone, as we're trying to bless them through God and share uh, the gospel with them, even when someone dismisses us, even when someone ditches our efforts, we don't need to limit God on that. Okay? It could very well be that they may dismiss us, but later, later somebody with the gospel approaches them, maybe a few years later, perhaps a few years later, then the conditions of their, of their lives, have, their life has changed, okay? And, and their heart has changed, and they receive the gospel then. It could very well be that once we get to heaven, we'll look over and we'll see somebody who rejected our efforts with them, but who received another person's efforts with them. So be bold, because God's going to bless your efforts. Now, you remember Stephen of Acts chapter 7. And you remember what happened to Stephen. You remember that he was stoned purely because he's sharing the gospel of Jesus. You remember that the ringleader there who was in charge of that execution was a man, a young man by the name of Saul, Saul of Tarsus. Where do you think Stephen is right now? And where do you think Saul of Tarsus is right now? Okay. I think that they're both in heaven. I'm fairly firmly convicted they're both in heaven. Can you imagine what they're talking about? Okay. Now, while they were on earth, Saul was arch enemy against Stephen and all that Stephen stood for. But Saul later learned the truth. And so now they're both in heaven. Let us not limit God. Let us believe in Him. Let us be bold. Now, staying with the idea of being bold, we can be bold because we can trust God, but we can be bold because we can learn to diversify our efforts. Notice chapter 11 and verse 2. He says, Give a portion to seven Give a portion even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. In other words, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Okay. Diversify your efforts as you're trying to do good. You, you don't know who will take what. You don't know what will be taken in, what will be successful. You don't know when things are going to bomb on you. And so, therefore, diversify. Okay. Do do an effort with seven here, do an effort with eight here, and just scatter the way 
that you try to reach people. In our day, we have several means of communication. We can, we can pick up and call on the phone. We can send texts on the phone. We can send cards in the mail. We can send articles over email. We can go and see someone. We can have a meal uh, with someone. We can, we can try to see what someone at churches, a number of ways. And don't just try the same thing all the time. If, if you text someone one week, then try calling them the next week. If that hasn't brought any results, then try to send some, some articles or try to send uh, some emails or try to send uh, some, some text or you know, make a call, make a visit. In other words, he says, scatter your approaches around and be bold. Not only can we diversify our, our ways of approaching people, but we can diversify what we use. We can sit down in a personal Bible study, or we can share a video, or we can share uh, material. We, we've got plenty of tracts and pamphlets and, and all sorts of books and, and papers that, that we can share uh, with people. Be bold, trust God. Be bold and scatter uh, your efforts. Diversify. We remember what Paul says in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, in verses 19 to 23. He said, I have become all things to all people that I may by all means save some. So Paul was not going to hold anything back in his efforts to try to do good and to reach other people with the gospel. We were studying earlier in the summer the, the time when Jesus was anointed by Mary and he makes this comment about Mary in Mark 14 and verse, verse 8. He says, she has done what she could. She's done a very beautiful thing, but she has done what she could. She has taken what she has and she has done with what she has, what she could for Jesus at that time. And when we get to the end of our days, we want to be able to look at God and say, I have done all that I could do in doing good for you, O Lord. Still thinking about being bold here. Verse 6 says that in being bold, we need to stick with what we're doing. So be bold, go for it. Be bold, diversify. Be bold, stick with it. Notice in chapter 11, in verse uh, 6, he says, In the morning sow your seed, and at evening do not withhold your hand, for you do not know which will, prop, will uh, prosper, this or that, or whether both alike uh, will be good. So stick with it. Stick with it. You never know. You never know when someone's going to be receptive uh, to the goodness or the kindness or the Word of God that you are uh, sharing with them. So be sure to stick with it. I think he's representing different stages in life here. There's a morning stage of life. There's a noontime stage of life. Even at, at the evening time of life. Do not be idle. Do not be idle. Uh, you guys have noticed that, that Kelly's mom has been with us quite a bit off and on the last year or so, and she's getting at the, the you know, a very, in some ways, a very rough time uh, at the end of her life. But one thing that's constant about, about Sister uh, Marie 
is that she wants to be doing something good for the Lord. She has not lost that idea. She wants to be busy. She wants to be busy knitting for the Lord. She certainly wants to try to be at church and encourage others as much as, as she can. So stick with it. Stick with it. You know, there are some folks when they get older, they go down to Florida to relocate or, or to fossilize, whatever. You know, I heard it said that Florida is the land of the newly wed and the nearly dead. <laughs> Therefore, it's a very dangerous place to drive because you've got the newly wed and the nearly dead. But no matter where you're at or, or if, if there's a need to relocate or if conditions in life change, he's saying here, stick with it. Stick with it. Be bold and stick with it. So Solomon's first piece of advice for us is to be bold. Second is to be determined. To be determined. The wise man is telling us that there are some things in life that come up that can derail us, that can paralyze our efforts. Look at verses 3, 4, and 5 and notice these. One thing that can, that can get us off track are just the ordinary things of life. Notice verse 3. He says, If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where that tree falls, there, there it is. There it will lie. He's simply saying that some folks get, get absorbed by just the ordinary, common things in life. You know, God has given us a world of structure and order. Therefore, it's, very, it's a very consistent world. Okay? It's going to rain, the tree's going to fall, and that's where it's going to lie. There's ordinary needs and ordinary things every day. And, and he's warning here, don't get absorbed by these things. See them as they are and don't lose track of the most important eternal matters in life, you see. Uh, don't get paralyzed by just the ordinary things. Because this is such an, an, a structured world that God has created for us, there's ordinary needs. Okay? We can just name those needs. There's, there's food, there's water, there's shelter, there's clothes, uh, there's transportation, there's communication, and there's money. Okay? A lot of people get absorbed. Their life gets absorbed in these very things. Okay? He's saying don't let yourself... Don't let yourself get paralyzed by these. These things are necessary, but keep them in their place. A guy comes up and says, you ought to see my new whatever. Well, it's, it's new. It's shiny. It's big. Okay. It's a robot. Okay. But it belongs in the ordinary things of life. See. Jesus said it like this in John 6, 27 and 28. He says, work not for things that perished. Work not for food, he says. Work not for food that's going to perish, but rather work for the food that's going to abide unto eternal life. And Peter says it like this in 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4. He says, don't let your adorning, don't let your emphasis be on the outward man. What you're going to put on or what you're going to wear or how you're going to do your hair or, or the jewelry uh, that you put on. Let, don't let ever that be your emphasis, but rather let your adorning be toward the inward person that's, uh, that's part of you, the inward person. 
and make sure of all things the inward person has the qualities of a meek and quiet spirit. And he says that in the sight of God, this is of great price. We want to value what God values. So some folks get derailed by just the ordinary things in life. And then notice chapter 11, verse 4. We've got to be determined because sometimes we get derailed by the uncertainty of life. The uncertainty of life. He says, chapter 11, verse 4, He who observes the wind will never sow, and he who regards the clouds will never reap. You see, certainly life is uncertain. That's the one thing certain about life. It is uncertain. Proverbs 27 and verse 1, Boast not yourself of tomorrow, for you do not know what a day is going to bring forth. Okay. And he's saying here, some will not do good. Some people will not do good or be good because they are forever looking for perfect conditions. See? Notice verse 4 again. He who observes the wind will not sow. He who regards the clouds will never reap. Some folks say, yeah, I, I will work for you, Lord. I'll, I'll be all you want me to be. But first, I've got to make sure the conditions are right. Things have got to be... Things have got to be laid out just so. Things have got to be just so. And then I'm ready to go to... They're forever looking for perfect conditions. And while they're waiting for things to get laid out just in a perfect order, guess what? There are people dying and they don't have Christ. We don't have the time to get everything laid out just so-so all the time. Some are forever looking for perfect conditions and that doesn't work. Some get derailed by the uncertainty of life. Okay. Now, again, I want to think about Paul, the Apostle Paul. Besides our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I don't know of anybody who ever worked more for the Lord than Paul. Were his conditions favorable all the time? Well, who did he have against him? He had the Jews against him. And then eventually he had the Romans against him. He had his own brothers in Christ against him. Okay. He oftentimes had things like shipwrecks. Uh, he found himself in prison. He found himself in prison more than once for the Lord. And plus, 2 Corinthians 12 says he has his thorn in the flesh. He had health trouble. Okay. Paul had a lot going against him, but he didn't stop. He didn't, he didn't stop to consider. He didn't wait for all this to pass and then go to work for the Lord. Okay. So some get derailed by the uncertainty of life. And then some of us get paralyzed by the mystery of life. Notice chapter 11 and verse number 5. You do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child. So you do not know the work of God who makes everything. Okay. Again, some people think, well, once I get to a certain level of knowledge, then I will begin to be who all God wants me to be and do all God wants me to do. I just got to, I just got to know more. Okay. Well, let me tell you something. That... That's an unending trail. Okay. 
That, that's, that's vanity uh, in itself. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, uh, the secret things belong to God, but the things which, which are revealed, those belong to us. Well, we have enough trouble uh, learning the things that have been revealed in Scripture. Okay. We've got to grow in that. But there's a whole book of knowledge that only God is ever going to have. We're not ever going to know anything, so therefore, you know, do good for God. Don't let the mysteries of life. I, I, have, I have talked to a number of people who feel like that, that once they get to, to figure out just certain things that bothers them about life, then they will talk to you about the Lord. Okay? We can't get derailed uh, with this. But look what he says here in verse, verse 5. Do you know how the, a spirit, the life itself, uh, merges with the bones of a developing baby inside the mother's womb. Do you know how all that happens? You don't. Okay. Nobody does. That's an incredible mystery that happens. Okay. We don't have all that figured out. We don't have to figure it out. But we can go to work for the Lord. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, Peter says we ought to take the Word of God and grow thereby growth. But in the same breath, just a few sentences later in verse number 9, he says we ought to be showing forth the excellent nature of God who has called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. Okay. Now notice, we are ones who need to grow. Grow in knowledge, grow in truth, grow in, in how, how to live for Christ. Okay. But even though we're in the we're in the mode of, of growing for the Lord, and we always will be. Still, God gives to us the commission to show forth His excellent nature to all those who have not been called out of darkness into His marvelous light. And so we cannot get derailed by, by just the ordinary things of life or the uncertainties of life or even the mysteries of life itself. The wise man says, if you're going to live life for God, be bold. He says, be determined. And thirdly, he says, be happy. Be happy. You see this here in chapter 11, verses um, 7, 8, and 9. Starting verse, we'll just jump down to verse 8. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness uh, will eventually be, be many. Verse 9, rejoice, O man, in your youth and let your heart uh, cheer you all your days. Do you ever wonder what message the world is getting by what they see in us? Does society get the message that the work of God through Jesus Christ brings the greatest joy and is the greatest choice a human being could ever uh, make. Does, does the world see that in us? Do they see that in our lives? Do they see joy in our lives? Do they see joy in our worship? Do they see that? He says, here is some very practical wisdom. If you want to do good, rejoice, young man. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. 
Someone has said that the invisible God is made visible through his followers. It's not too bad. Because Paul says in Galatians 2 verse 20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. People are to see Christ living in us. They're to see God the Father in us. According to Ephesians 4 and verse 6, God the Father is, is above all and through all and in you all. He's, he's supposed to be living within us. People are supposed to be able to see Him living in us. Well, if that's the case, what message are they getting? Especially if, if we're just getting by or if we're just getting through or if we are just, just surviving. If, we are just, if we're just here at worship to get it over with, then what message is being proclaimed to those who are outside of Christ? Be happy. Be happy. And finally he says, be ready. Be ready. You see the words for yourself here in Ecclesiastes uh, 11. He says at the end of verse 9, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Verse 10, remove vexation from your heart and put away pain uh, from your body for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Be ready, there's judgment coming. Verse 9, walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. You can let your eyes go down to Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14. The end of the matter has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether it is good or evil. Be ready. Be ready. A parallel verse to this is Psalm 37 and verse 4. The psalmist says, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Most people read that verse and they say, well, as long as I keep an association with God, then I can do whatever I want to. Whatever comes into my mind, I can just do it as long as I keep God around. Okay, That's not being ready. And that's not what that verse teaches. You've got to take the first part of the verse and then the second part of the verse. The first part of the verse, Psalm 37 verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord. If we delight ourselves in the Lord, truly delight ourselves in the Lord, then His desires will become our desires. His will will become our will. His heart will become our heart. Okay. Then He'll give you the desires of your heart. Why? Because your heart has become like His heart. But the first part of the command there in Psalm 37, 4 is delight yourself in the Lord. You do that, you start thinking like He thinks. Your heart becomes like His heart. And then you and He are walking together like two uh, should. Ecclesiastes 11, Solomon says, If you want to do good, do these things. Be bold, be determined, be happy, be ready. The invitation is, is 
toward all of us uh, this morning. If you need to come home to Jesus Christ, please make that known right now as we stand together, as we sing, Brother Bean.